So this evening is the full moon of October, and it's a beautiful autumn time, the bright autumnal colors, turning of the leaves, the fall, contemplating nature, impermanence, The days grow shorter and the nights go longer. Then centering yourself in this uh, here and now, Pachubana Dhamma. So this is something to keep with you at all times, this, this uh, if you want, you can kind of write a little note to yourself or have an amulet around your neck saying, here and now, enlightenment here and now, liberation here and now, so that you have this constant reminder. So wherever you are, wherever you are, is you're always here and the time is always now. <laughs> This is this is very important. Actually, I'm not just being facetious, but but uh, if you want to integrate this into into life itself, then we can see like retreats and and uh, self retreats and group retreats and vasas and winter retreats. All these are, you know to be praised and to be respected, but it's still what we learn is uh, here and now Dhamma. Liberation, the deathless, the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned is here and now. And trying to think about that, then you, you just get your mind into a tangle. So it's, it's outside of the thinking process. And so that's why uh, using these words like the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned, anatta, akaliko, timelessness, santitiko, akaliko, ehi, pasko, upanayiko, bhajatang. So these are the important uh, words for reminding. Like sati is to remember here and now. Sati sampachanya. So that's why this, this amulet around your neck or wear a little uh, string on your wrist with a little note saying awareness here and now, liberation here and now, or whatever way you want to do it. Uh, just uh, is this continuous emphasis on this because uh, the self, the world is about time about the past, about identity with the conditioned realm, and about the future. So I say, what's the vision for the Sangha in the future? And these, somehow this doesn't make sense to me anymore, because the whole point is about here and now, not about the vision for the future. Now this is uh, about liberation from ignorance and suffering. Human liberation. Human individuals being liberated from ignorance and the suffering they create out of ignorance. So this is, you know, when we suffer then this is due to ignorance, attachment. attachment out of ignorance. And so that's where I can, you know, I find this uh, constant reference to the Four Noble Truths, the most uh, kind of helpful teaching through life, through all the vicissitudes, changing conditions of 
the aging process, uh, changes in the society and whatnot that, that one is exposed to. The vipaka kama of one's life, the comings and goings, births and deaths, successes and failures, high points and low points, the boredom, the mediocrity, the dreariness, the disillusionment, the despair, all these mental states are seen from this position of puto tamo sanko. So seeing even your disillusionment, your uh, despair, your feelings of disappointment, uh, doubts and worries about the future, uh, opinions and views of any sort, attachment to them out of ignorance of Dhamma, then we, we are bound to the realm of birth and death or suffering. Now the deathless is uh, here and now. Or the unborn, uncreate, unformed, unconditioned. So then I keep reminding you, it's the only way, you know, when you try to find it as something, you, you'll, you can spend the rest of your life trying to figure out what the deathless is or what the unborn is. So it's not about figuring it out or finding anything but recognizing. This word recognizing, realizing, awakening to the real. So this is, this is Bhutto Tamo, in other words, refuge in Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha, Supatipano, one who practices in the right way, Ujupatipano. Now, the, <clears throat> the Theravada tradition, as I've used it over the, this is my 42nd uh, year as a bhikkhu. I came to England when I was 42 years old. And I had uh, 10, 10 vasas. Spent my 11th vasa in London. And then... Uh, is 42 years old, and uh, now I've been here 32 vathas in this country. <laughs> now this is, uh, seems a long time in a way, in, in, in terms of numbers, but in terms of memory, it doesn't seem all that long. Looking back at the past, so what is the past right now? So I'm sitting here, I remember uh, arriving at Heathrow Airport, 1977, May the 6th, one of those days you remember. May the 6th, 1977, arriving in Heathrow Airports with Lung Po Cha. And uh, that's a memory in the present. Now it's 2008. October 2008, I never expected to live this long, actually. <laughs> so then a memory is a memory, isn't it? Like even remembering Lung Po Cha right now, what is, what is Ajahn Chah at this moment? In the, at the, the reality of Ajahn Chah is a memory. Is that memory Ajahn Chah, or is it, is a memory anything other than something that rises and ceases in the present? <clears throat> and so this exploring memory, you know, really examining, investigating uh, our ability to remember things. So, uh, where, I, well, I remember on retreats asking, where, Retreatants, where is your mother right now? And, and of course, it's quite a bewildering question. So I think, well, she's she's dead, or she's at home, or she's in Birmingham, or <laughs> but, uh, no, it's a memory, isn't it? 
perception of mother that arises in the present. When I say, where is your mother now, then what does that do? You start remembering your mother. That's a memory. That's not to diminish and to say, say, you know, give any value judgment about memory, whether it's right or wrong or bad, but it is like this. And a memory has no essence, no substance. So, you know, it's like a soap bubble. It is, once it's punctured, it, you don't, you know, there's nothing left of it. And so it's learning to see memory from this position of puto, rather than being attached. It's creating yourself, your ego is all about memory. I am this person. So Sakayaditi, or the first letter, is, is about your memories, how you see yourself, remember yourself, think of yourself as somebody who is born, you remember going, being brought up in the, going to school <coughs> and so forth, the memories of your life, create this sense of a self, Sakayaditi. So exploring that, just uh, devoting yourself to, to just investigating, watching memory. Going back to your room or your cooties and remembering. What, you know, like you remember somebody in the Sangha. Remember them. And then you, you examine, is that memory that person or is that a memory? Is my memory of somebody the real person, or is it when I when I look at it in terms of investigating, it it, it has no no substance or no essence. Not a person. It's a a memory, just something arising and ceasing. A memory can bring happiness or anger, resentment, indifference. Because uh, emotionally we're affected by memories. So we have happy memories, unhappy memories, and, and then our mood changes accordingly to whatever memories we're attaching to. And so this, this continuous investigation of the impermanence of the five khandhas, the five aggregates, until you really, you have to keep at it till uh, you know, till you no longer, you know, you begin to really see it. Yet it's the jnana dasana kind of insight. It's a profound insight, a knowledge that's not based on knowing about Dhamma, but knowing Dhamma, pure knowing, through insight, not through memory. Where so much of the uh, you know, that we learn the Dhamma through reading the suttas and so forth, that's memory. Remembering the Four Noble Truths and the Abhidhamma and all the rest, uh, the Tamajaka Pavatana Sutta, and, and reading commentaries, and, and that's still memory, isn't it? Not to be despised, to be, it's uh, certainly a good way, you know, if you're going to use memory, use it skillfully. But it's still memory. It's not, it's not jnana dasana or insight, understanding. So the, the Four Noble Truths, you can just memorize them and talk about them, theorize about them, <coughs> and understand them or conceptually, but then applying it to the reality of life as we're experiencing it. Suffer. Do you suffer? Do you feel unhappy or discontented or confused or anxious or doubtful or whatever? Then that's the first noble truth. So then that, that seeing that is the first noble truth rather than as something to attach to and, and uh, proliferate about and get, create more unhappiness in your mind. Now the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned cannot be conceived of, but it's real. 
So this uh, amulet around your neck saying Pachubanatama, liberation is now, is always referring to the present. What is the feeling I have now? How is it, what is it, you know? It's like this. Whatever I'm feeling at this moment is like this. So kind of like hold my hands out like this means I'm kind of this is a gesture of accepting it. It is what it is. You know, there's no kind of resisting, pushing it away, or grasping it, trying to make it into something. But this, to me, this means when I do this, it means it's just acceptance, surrender. The way it is is like this. Now, in training yourself with, uh, you know, like sound of silence and. Sound of silence is this. I have this sense of this total acceptance of this moment as is and everything in it, you know, in consciousness at this moment with my feelings, body, all that I see, hear, smell, taste, touch. So this is this is real. This is reality. It's not it's not a kind of creation of my mind. It's not not about um, you know judging or criticizing, but opening a receptive, conscious acknowledgement of this moment. So it's sati sampachanya, sati panya. And to to realize this, to recognize this, however, not just in, you know, as you cultivate it through through daily life, in uh, when you're going to London or traveling on an airplane or at a meeting or uh, in your or by yourself or in a group. It's always here and now, Pachubana Tama, Santidikoa Kaliko Tama. It does take determination because our feelings are very convincing, and and uh, notice how how uh, standards of right and wrong, good and bad, are very real for us. You know, it's, this is right, and and uh, we've got to stand up for what's right and true and good. We shouldn't compromise. We shouldn't, and so we get caught in our own kind of sense of righteousness, <coughs> build on attachment to, to uh, ideals maybe, righteous ideals. And so we come, and this is very easy to do in any religion whatsoever, is being very attached to, to being right. And then, then, and then coming from this righteous place. And then right always is a division because it always has its opposite, wrong. If you don't agree with me, you're wrong. So then, you know, it means that if I see you as wrong and I'm right, that's, that's a division of the, of the, in the mind, isn't it? That's not here and now Dhamma, that's a, uh, I'm committed myself to a division, to, to a position of being right. And, and just noticing that, of being, I used to contemplate that I have a very righteous streak. And I remember in, before coming to England, being caught in a very righteous sense of righteousness in uh, in uh, Thailand, and uh, I was reading uh, Venerable Yanananda's book uh, Concept and Reality at the time, which uh, and he 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 was he wasn't a I don't think he was a bhikkhu when he wrote it, but he is a scholar, Concept and Reality, and then he gives quotes from the scriptures, and. Uh, and I mem used to memorize some of these quotes, 
we'd have forgotten by now, but I remember going, walking through the streets of Bangkok feeling very righteous and then suddenly really seeing what I was doing. You know, how I felt this, this kind of sense of indignation about something or other that I can't, I can't even remember. And feeling, you know, that I've got to make a stand because I'm right and I shouldn't, uh, you know, I've got to set a righteous example and make a stand for what's right. And then I saw this, uh, this uh, ditty, this sense of I'm right. And the, what was wrong was, you know, was I've seen something else, somebody else has been wrong. And in the insight, I, mean, I, I began to see how much I suffered from this, this sense of being, having to be right and trying to prove it and, and kind of, and then being indignant about it. Feeling indignant about someone who I felt was wrong and very judgmental and uh, critical of them. And then through this, uh, just tracing this suffering of being, having to be right, and suddenly I saw the dukkha of this attachment to being right. And it was such a relief to let go of it. And suddenly I felt, what a relief, I don't have to be right anymore. I don't have to set the world right. I don't have to defend, I don't have to justify. I'm no longer just, you know, in this world to, to, uh, as a warrior to defend the right from the wrong or the good from the bad. What a sense of relief of being at ease with the moment, of this tremendous stress and uh, of, ha of this very strong emotion, righteous indignation. And so this uh, sense of relief was, you know, so I'd let go of it. Suddenly I saw the, the grasping. It didn't mean what I was grasping was wrong. It was the ignorance of grasping a sense of myself as being right. And once seen in terms of the Four Noble Truths and the letting go, and the relief of not Grasping is like this, not grasping anything, just being completely empty in this moment where this, this sense of myself as being right drops away. You know, if you accept it and let it be what it is, it, it ceases on its own. You don't have to do anything about it. It's just naturally, it's a condition that when, when it arises, to recognize like this, and then it ceases. So I've shared with you, you know, how my own practice, um, you know, because this is, this, this way has really, I found very, you know, I have really appreciated, I'm incredibly appreciative of, of this. I see what we've got is a very skillful tool to use this tradition and uh, it's like a it's a instrument a skillful instrument and therefore it you know if if and so it's not something to to uh, you know to keep trying to to change it but to use it you know to to really learn how to use this instrument for letting go of conditioned phenomena, letting go of ignorance. <coughs> so this uh, sense of oneness, the non-division, then is in this awareness. Sati sampachanya, sati panya. It's pure consciousness.
It has, it doesn't, it has no quality other than knowing. It's intelligent knowing, but it's not, it's not mine, it's not yours, it's not even Buddhist. You know, even the titles and the conventional forms are, are no longer the, you know, what we're, we're trying to project into this, but recognizing the reality, this is real. Pure consciousness is, is our reality at this moment that has no, is not tainted by anything whatsoever. Absolutely pure. Consciousness is absolutely pure. And it's real, it's recognizable, it's reality itself, it's here and now. Pachubhanatama, it's to be known individually, budgetan. You know, I'm pointing to it now, I can't make you see it. <laughs> and if I could, I would. You know, if I could kind of compel you to see it, I'd do it, but I can't. So my attempts are merely pointing, you know, trying to encourage. Uh, an attitude that that leads to this will will help you to recognize this to get out of the traps of the conditioned mind. So we have what we call dhamma vinya, and this is uh, dhamma and the and the vinya, the 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 structure. This is the traditional form. And so the, the form itself, the vinya, is isn't something to be attached to, but it is something to, uh, you know, use as a way of reflecting on attachment. It will inevitably arouse uh, a sense of we either attach to positions in the structure, we form views and opinions about it. We have uh, certain ideals about how things should be, or we don't like the, we, we, we think the structure isn't fair. Uh, we form various, uh, want to adapt it to modern, modern ideals, modern life. All these are, you know, can be seen as, as opinions and views that, that we might have from our own cultural background. But the, the structure itself is impersonal. It's not to, to reinforce personality or position, but to just give us an empty form, an empty structure to use, to, to use as a reference point. So it's a, the, the summoner life is a, is a life of duties, you know, within the structure. So that our duties to each other, our relationships are are set, are prescribed in the in the terms of vinya, and junior, senior, and so forth is just, you know, that's that's the structure. But when we see it in terms of personality, then our personal identity with ju being junior or senior. Then it becomes Sakya Ditti again. So we, I'm a senior monk, uh, so you obey me kind of thing. That, that's Sakya Ditti. So this is a way to, to observe this because we, 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 you know, our tendency on the ignorant level is always to to use uh, conventions in terms of our own, you know, personal interpretations or preferences. And, the, and what the Buddhist encourages is to use the structure for mindfulness. So it doesn't matter whether you're junior, senior, monk or nun, that's not the issue. That's not, that's, that's not, uh, that can be Sakya Ditti or it can merely be Vinaya. And therefore it's seen as, it's empty. 
being a bhikkhu is, is being empty, being a siladhara is being empty, not being anybody in other words. So when we, when we try to say I'm the bhikkhu sangha as, as uh, something that one is attached to, or the Siladhara Sangha is an attachment, and then it becomes Sakya Ditti. But seen as merely convention, then it is what it is. The structure, which we no longer, we see the suffering of being attached to, to our position. Whether it's uh, being senior, junior, male or female or whatever, this is not, these are, the, then our mindfulness, is encouraged to observe the attachment or the, the way we tend to uh, see ourselves in, in terms of conventional habits, conventional or cultural attitudes. Now, here, uh, you know, in here at Amravati, this is a, you know, this is a very nice place to live. It's uh, well supported and, and uh, in a beautiful location. So there, the suffering we have here is not due to starvation or <laughs> poverty or anything, but it's uh, how we, how we create suffering around, you know, wanting something we don't have or not wanting it to be the way it is. And so this is really, see that, that this is the cause of dukkha, of attachment out of ignorance to desire. Not getting what one wants is suffering. So the, the, the to me the beauty of the summoner life is this sense of of being grateful for what what I have, and and because I have everything, everything that's necessary for liberation. I am very fortunate. You all are. You all have everything you need for liberation, and so that is. To, to be, you know, reflect, not to, I'm not trying to convince you, but contemplate, what, what do we need? Uh, we need to have something to wear, something to eat, roof over the head, medicine for illness, Dhamma Vinaya. So you've got, you've got this, is a, this is perfection, you've got everything for liberation. Now then, of course, the, the, uh, we can always want something that we don't have, or we may not like it the way it is, or we have personal reactions to each other, emotional reactions. Uh, you know, because we do, we are human, so we have our own vipaka kama that arises in the sense of the way we, we hold our position or see ourselves in terms of the convention. But what I'm pointing at is outside that you know, through this pure conscious, pure consciousness, pure awareness. That's where your refuge is. That's where, that's liberation here and now. So this, uh, you know, this sense of being grateful and uh, content as the foundation, the summoner life, being discontented is always due to desire, wanting something uh, you don't have or not wanting things to be the way they are. So this, you know, one can't uh, be contented as a willful act, but seeing the suffering of being discontented. Now the world at this time seems to be a, a, a total mess anyway. So it's, maybe it's the stars in the sky, the uh, alignment of the planets. <laughs> because all over the world, everything is, the capitalist system's falling apart and the, 
and uh, nobody's content anywhere, and everybody's blaming everybody else. <clears throat> so it's uh, you know it's in the air, it's in the in the vibration of this. This is not a time of contentment or uh, or happiness. There's a lot of of anger, resentment about the economy, about the unfairness of the wealth. Uh, there's a lot of uh, violence and 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 uh, intimidation and threatening and bullying going on everywhere. So recognizing that samsara is like this, you know, it's not. It's uh, it, even though it shouldn't be like this. Why can't we get along? Why can't we all just live in harmony? And and uh, you know, is is uh, because we can imagine uh, living on planet Earth in, in with uh, you know all the proper ways, growing organic vegetables and respecting the environment and and all the rest, all the good things we can imagine how they should be. But at this moment, the conditions are like this. And then, and then th this way of receiving that, this kind of willingness to accept the misery of the world in total at this moment. It's not grasping misery, it's allowing the miserable to be what it is. And if you really can bear that, then you're not creating any more suffering around the conditions as they, as you're experiencing them in the present. It's being patient, it's not approving or, you know, it's not about approving of anything, it is like this. Right now the world is like this. It's a total mess, it's like this. And then through resting in this acceptance of it, of this miserable state, is you see, you see, you're, you're not creating suffering around it. So it's like when it, you know this sense of letting things live out their karma. It's a, this word karma. We're we're all working out our own karma in our own way. You know, so whatever you're feeling or whatever character tendencies you have or emotions or uh, what physical conditions or whatever, this is the result of birth and uh, the karmic, the karma of your life. And, you, and so it's uh, our relationship to that then is through this reflection, I am the owner of my karma, heir to my karma, born of my karma, related to my karma, abide supported by my karma, whatever karma I shall do for good or for ill of that, I shall be the heir. So in this way, this reflection on karma, but then not creating any more karma is the mindfulness, where the karma of the present moment is accepted and received, with pure awareness. And then we're not, I'm no longer the owner of this karma. It is what it is and it ceases on its own. So it's not, I'm not, I'm, you know, this karma is the result of my life. But if I see it in terms of Dhamma, then I'm not creating an identity with it by either believing it, following it, or trying to resist it or get rid of it. So this is the, you know, this is the path of liberation, very direct. Liberating yourself from delusion. Then we reflect, all that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will become otherwise, will become separated from me. So this idea of you know, once I get what I want, then I'll be okay. Uh, you know, or you know, I have. To, but even all that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will become otherwise. So this is a way of of just noticing that 
wanting things or not wanting things. You know, living your life for trying to to get get what you want or you know, hold on to things or even if you even if you succeed in getting what you want, it still changes. will become otherwise, will become separated from me. So this is the, the constant kind of what I call samanasanya reflections, uh, reflections for samanas, for alms mendicants, for brahmacharins. We're living the life of, of a brahmacharin, so we're not making any uh, intentional sexual karma through acting on sexual desire or uh, identifying or suppressing it, but through understanding desire as is arises and ceases according to conditions and is anatta, not self. But then if, if I think I'm a celibate, I'm a brahmacharin, that could be sakyaditi. <laughs> Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, I could be holier than thou. Being celibate is being better than sexually active. Is, that's sakyaditi still. Not about making claims about who's, who's purer and who's better, but in seeing that any identity, even with the very, with the holy and the good, out of ignorance, is, is still lead to suffering. to division. If I'm purer than you, then that's a division, isn't it? I see that I'm, I, I'm, I'm somehow purer than you are is sakyaditi. So one could use the life of celibacy as a form of sakyaditi or not. How to use, the, use it for awareness, for liberation. <coughs> So these are, are just uh, important ways to investigate your, your life, your own feelings of love and hate, like and dislike, approval, disapproval, <coughs> guilt and remorse, <coughs> success and failure, praise and blame. And also, you know, don't, you know, the, don't believe your mind, whatever it's saying, you know, like, you know, that you can't, you're not, you can't be liberated or you're not ready yet or you're not good enough or whatever. Just don't trust any of it, the self-disparaging tendencies or doubts about yourself. Those are the very things to observe. You know, so if I think I'm, I'm not, pure enough or I'm not, uh, you know, this, these kind of thoughts arise, then there's awareness of these, these thoughts as thoughts. It's not that they're wrong, but they're, you know, it's not about right and wrong, but seeing them for what they are. I am an uh, unenlightened person is like this. I created that structure. I said, I am unenlightened. And then that, that's, or it's opposite. I am an enlightened, I'm an enlightened person. Whether you, it's pro or con, positive or negative, it's the same thing. It's still sakyaditi. But that which is aware of your thinking, is not thought. And that's, that's, that's what I'm pointing at, intuitive awareness. Pure consciousness is your true, natural, what you really are in oneness, wholeness, completeness, perfection. And so that's, that's all of us, you know, in that oneness. It's not, it's not mine or yours. 
when it's seen in those terms, then we've, we're back into samsara or the divisions of conditioned phenomena. Nor am I, you know, I'm not trying to, to be poetic or metaphysical or romantic about it, but just, you know, find out for yourself, oneness is what? Oneness at this moment. And then, you know, as you start thinking about it, then you, you will, you get confused because it's not a thought, it's a reality. It's outside the thinking process. And that, so therefore it is sati sampajanya, pachubhanatamma. So also, you know, appreciate your true nature is this purity, consciousness, oneness, unity, rather than this division of views and opinions and identities with uh, conditioned phenomena, with the body, with view, uh, memories, with conventions. So this is the Katina season starts <coughs> and so then the, we'll all be coming and going uh, and moving around, going to Katinas and whatnot. So this, uh, this uh, Vata period is, has ended. All that begins ends. Pavarana is the kind of the end of it of this designated, what we designated in the uh, full moon of July as the entering of Vasa and this is the exit of Vasa, like this. But then, then the kind of restraints of the Vasa are no longer, you know, no longer here. So then the, the Katina seasons are. I remember in Thailand, the Katina season was really, uh, and I used to, I'd been invited to all the katinas of the branch monasteries. Totally exhausting because you have to sit up all night. And, uh, and then you go from one katina, they don't have them just on Sundays like we do. <laughs> so you're going from one place to another until uh, you burn out. You can't, can't take any more of it. But uh, uh, it is a time where people, you know, the Katina ceremonies are the, the, the generosity of the lay community offering requisites to the Sangha. Because it's based on the robe, offering robe material to, to the Sangha. So that we don't have to go out and collect rags. We're given... Uh, high quality textiles instead. <laughs> so this is, uh, this is, you know, see this is a joyful time, Katina, where the, and especially the lay community, they, they get great joy out of offering and uh, get the requisites to these monasteries. And so this is our life of a summoner to receive these offerings with gratitude and appreciation for the thoughtfulness and the generosity of uh, lay community, lay supporters. So our life is a one of joyfulness because we are stimulating these, these generous, uh, this generosity and, and respect from the lay community for our own uh, endeavors towards liberation. This is important to see that that we're the, the four requisites receive, we receive are for to help us, to relieve us from having to worry about food, shelter, clothing, and medicine. So we can devote ourselves to investigating Dhamma, to be free from delusion. That's what, that's what, that's the advantage of the Samana life is that it is, we don't have to go out and and try to make a living through our own good actions, through our own dedication to Dhamma, and then of course the, this seems to arouse faith and generosity in the lay community. And, and that 
provides our requisites or what is basically needed for survival so that our main endeavor then is concentrated on liberation. So, you know, it's quite a beautiful relationship then. Uh, and see how, you know, how moving it is to have this, this lay people so generous, so willing to, to help us towards enlightenment, to liberation from delusion. I think all the, the generosity of the lay community is really, you know, they want us to be enlightened. They want, they want us to see the dumb and be free from selfishness and suffering. And so then that reflecting like this, uh, you know, then I feel an enormous sense of gratitude to the lay community. Here in England, you know, I've been treated extremely well by the lay community here in the UK because of their generosity and their, their determination to help me live this life without a lot of cares and worries and concerns for this liberation, for investigating, realizing, awakening to the real. So don't, uh, you know, don't diminish this, this lifestyle and or see it as just a, you know, in a worldly way, but see it as an opportunity uh, and an encouragement which arouses the good qualities in the lay community around us. And that encourages, like for myself, makes me even more kind of determined to break through the fetters and the delusions of my karma. So I offer this for your reflection.